0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We've got a very special day today. It is a rare moment when somebody who worked undercover for the FBI for seven years uh, is able to speak freely and publicly about what he did. But we have one of those heroes with us here today, Doug Campbell, William Douglas Campbell is his actual name, who worked for the CIA and the FBI for nearly three decades in various undercover capacities, is joining us, and he is going to tell the story that's in my book, in Seamus Bruner's book, the book Fallout, uh, of how under seven years of undercover inside Vladimir Putin's Russian nuclear monopoly called Rosatom, how he uncovered kickbacks, bribery, extortion, how he uncovered political corruption, how he uncovered Joe Biden's energy advisor working to advise the Russian nuclear industry on how to uh, get a leg up in the American uranium market, put the American uranium business out of business so that American electricity uh, customers and American utilities would be dependent on cheaper nuclear fuel from Moscow for years to come. He's going to explain all of that. Doug Campbell, the real live Uranium One undercover informant, He's going to be joining us in just a little bit. We're also going to talk about a couple stories that broke today that I think you should know about. It won't take long. We'll get through that really quickly, go through some top headlines and why they're important, and then the moment we've been waiting for, the opportunity to talk to Doug Campbell, the FBI informant, the man at the middle of the Russia nuclear scandal that affected both Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and Barack Obama. Uh, Don't miss this. This is going to be a big interview today. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair, thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now. And when it matters most, let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code justnews at checkout. That's promo code justnews at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, we're back from the commercial break. I'm so glad you joined us today because we've got that special guest, Doug Campbell, the undercover FBI informant operative who helped the uh, FBI prove that the Russian nuclear monopoly Rosatom was engaged on U.S. soil and criminality at the same time it was getting approval to buy the Uranium One assets, uranium ore, underneath the U.S. soil. Uh, at the same time, it was getting billions of dollars of nuclear fuel contracts uh, for American utilities from the Obama administration. At the same time, the Obama-Biden-Clinton team helped the Russians um, get a Uh, build their own um, Silicon Valley called uh, Skolkovo in Russia, uh, a place that now U.S. intelligence says was used for uh, uh, Russian counterintelligence purposes through economic espionage and military espionage against the United States. This was all done during the failed uh, Russian reboot that the Obama-Biden-Clinton team executed in 2009 and 2014 all the way through. Uh, Lots of giveaways, lots of valuable things for Vladimir Putin. And then when it was all done, Putin pulled the rug out from underneath the Obama administration and, yep, you got it, invaded Ukraine, which then led to the Ukraine scandal. It's all in our book, but today you're going to hear from the central figure in our book, the man who was undercover for the FBI for seven years. What a harrowing story he has to tell. What an important story about um, our country's future about our past and what we got wrong that we haven't come to grips with. It's going to be a great interview. But before we get to that, I'd like to uh, highlight a couple stories that have broken over the last couple uh, of days that I think are important. Uh, first up, and I, I think this is an important one, um, Judicial Watch, who, which uh, through Tom Fitton has fought many very important uh, FOIA battles, Freedom of Information Act battles they were able to secure the release of new documents over the weekend. And I think these documents are very important because they're Pete Strzok's own emails and the days leading up to and in the first day of the Trump presidency, January 2017. And what we uh, learned is that Trump was only present for 24 hours when Strzok, the supervisor of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, sent an angry email to his boss. And the reason he Strzok was upset was that one of his colleagues, Jennifer Boone, had uh, done a White House counterintelligence briefing for the brand new White House, Trump and his team. And he had uh, she hadn't consulted uh, Strzok because Strzok wanted to use the meeting to spy on the Trump presidency, to further the Russia collusion investigation, to take that bond of trust that a briefer, an intelligence or counterintelligence briefer has, and use it uh, to find dirt on uh, the president. And keep in mind, at this point, On January 21st, 2017, when Peter Strzok writes this email to Bill Priestap, the Assistant Director for Counterintelligence at the time, the FBI knows that the Mike Flynn investigation has come to a dead end, that the agent who worked it for five months has concluded that there was no uh, counterintelligence or criminal reason to continue, and he recommended shutting down that investigation. Jim Comey, Andy McKay, Pete Strzok overruled that decision. That's one thing that they knew. They also had, by that time, interviewed the primary subsource of Christopher Steele, who told them the main evidence attributed to him, to the primary subsource, in the dossier was exaggerated, not true. He didn't say some of it. Some of it was a joke. Some of it was just flat-out inaccuracy. In other words, the FBI knew they had a major, major problem with the credibility of uh, Christopher Steele's dossier, and yet they did nothing about it. Uh, so the entire Russia case is falling apart at this point. They, they don't really have grounds to continue the FISA warrant, though they did for two more times. They, uh, they don't have grounds to investigate Flynn. And as you could tell from the famous emails, even months later, they still had no big there there, Pete Strzok wrote. In other words, they never had any evidence of collusion that they could prove. Uh, it was a dead end from the beginning. But it's in that environment when there really is no reason to be looking at the president and his aides when Pete struck sends this email and let me just read you the email. It's so it just, it's a contemporaneous captured and frozen in time email that I think speaks volumes about what was wrong with the FBI investigation. Uh, the quote, I heard from blank it's redacted the name about the white house uh, counterintelligence briefing routed from blank. The name's redacted. Um, this is uh, struck writing this on January 21st, 2017 Trump has been in office less than 24 hours quote I am angry that Jen that's Jennifer Boone uh, a colleague FBI agent did not at least cc me as my branch has pending investigative matters there this brief may play into our investigative strategy and I would like the ability to have visibility and provide thoughts and counsel to you in advance of the briefing this is one of the reasons why I raised the issue of Lane's responsibilities that I did when you were asked her when you asked her to handle White House Detaily Interaction. Wow, what an email. You can actually read this email by clicking, going on Just the News and clicking on it. It's a chilling email. It is a very strong, powerful uh, example of how much the FBI was willing to do to try to find anything it could on Trump, even when there was no basis or justification for it. Now, I took this email, I took these revelations, and I went to long-time, um, intelligence experts and said, is this appropriate? Should we be using the sacred trust that a president and his aides have with their intelligence briefers and turn it into a weapon to find dirt in an investigation, to find dirt that can be leaked? Uh, was this an appropriate thing and does it violate the trust? And so first, first person I talked to uh, has a lot of bona fides is Fred Flights. He's the former National Security Council's chief of staff. He worked for John Bolton. And he said, quote, it's unbelievable this kind of stuff was going on. How is the president to do his job with this going on? He has to be able to ask difficult questions. You want him and his age to ask hypotheticals during the briefings as they get up to speed. But if those questions are going to be leaked back to investigators, the president is not going to talk to the experts. That's going to leave us blind. That is Fred Flights. That's a, um, a John Bolton guy defending the president saying, this is hideous that Pete Strzok was thinking of using a counterintelligence briefing to spy, investigate, get dirt on the uh, President Trump and his team. Now, I went to an FBI guy. I figured, oh, maybe the FBI has a different perspective. Kevin Brock, the longtime assistant director for intelligence of the FBI. He worked for Bob Mueller, so no fan of Donald Trump, Bob Mueller. And he said the same thing. He was deeply troubled by the Strzok emails and, and what Strzok was trying to do here. Quote, This is from Kevin Brock, former FBI assistant director for intelligence. It appears that Strzok was going to leverage a normal FBI counterintelligence briefing for a new presidential administration to insert crossfire hurricane investigative efforts, specifically in hopes of getting into the White House to interview uh, General Flynn. That's Michael Flynn, the national security advisor. When Strzok, this is more a quote from, um, uh, from Kevin Brock. When Strzok found out those briefings were already conducted without his knowledge, he got upset. Since the counterintelligence briefings apparently were no longer available as a subterfuge. Think of that word. This is subterfuge the FBI is engaging in with our own president. Soon thereafter, Deputy Director McKay reached out to Flynn directly to set up an interview appointment. Director Comey admitted later they took advantage of the disorganization of the new administration to avoid the protocols that would normally be in place to control access to senior White House personnel like Flynn. Even an FBI man, a lifelong FBI man, rebukes, rejects what Pete Strzok, Jim Comey, Andy McKay, Bill Priestat were doing here. They shouldn't be violating the trust of a uh, classified intelligence briefing designed to make sure the president's up to speed on the biggest dangers and concerns and worries in the world. Uh, that's the consensus of some of these intelligence experts I talked to who were shocked to get this email that Judicial Watch unsurfaced, uh, or surfaced in the Um, in its FOIA litigation. So really important story. I hope you get a chance to go to um, uh, justthenews.com and read this article. I think it brings a lot of value to the table, uh, and it really raises a question. Just how far was the FBI willing to go in the absence of any evidence? Just how far was it willing to go to get uh, dirt on Donald Trump or manufactured dirt on Donald Trump. Very important. Now the second thing is there's a new excerpt out in my on the book that Seamus Bruner and I wrote. Uh, Seamus joined us last week. Fantastic co-author, fantastic investigative reporter. So blessed, so blessed that he joined me in this writing of this book. I couldn't have thought of a better person, but. The excerpt today is out on Breitbart, and it's something I just want to mention because I think it's one of the more interesting stories, subplots in the book, which is a lot of people don't realize that when the Russians were really trying to compromise a political figure during the twenty nine, uh, 2009 to 2019 timeframe, their original target was, no, not Donald Trump. Nope, not Mike Flynn, Hillary Clinton. How do we know that? Well, the FBI was kind enough to declassify its counterintelligence files on what are known as the Anna Chapman spy ring. This was the uh, model, I think spy-turned-model we all know now, Anna Chapman, who was here with 10 other illegal spies, Russian illegals, and their job was to embed inside the Obama administration and get close to him. And one of those those, uh, 10 uh, spies were getting closer and closer to... Uh, Hillary Clinton, in fact, they had gotten in the employment. They were posing as an accountant, an American accountant, when they were really a Russian spy inside one of Hillary Clinton's biggest uh, donors in the history of the Clinton uh, world. They'd gotten a job there, and their their goal of that spy, it was a woman, was to get, to jump from the donor, to get inside the State Department, get closer to the FBI, excuse me, to get closer to the Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, in 2009, 2010. And at that Time at that moment when that occurred, the FBI rolled up that uh, ring and they arrested all ten illegals. But then we gave them right back to Russia. We traded them for four non-American spies or uh, assets that the Russians had. And uh, this was, as Breitbart puts it, a failure by Joe Biden and Obama and Clinton. They they basically swept this under the rug by getting these illegals out of here quickly not telling the whole story. But the FBI was deeply concerned that Mrs. Clinton was about to be compromised. She was the abject, the target, the focus of a major spy ring of Russians back in 2010. And how did they try to get to her? The way that it seems like many people didn't. The Chinese influencers during the 1990 uh, Asia fundraising scandal, they went through donors and money because it was the perception of Russia That was the Clinton's vulnerability, that political money, personal money, whether it's Bill Clinton's $500,000 speech check or the millions that went to the Clinton Foundation, there was a perception among the Russian spies that uh, the way to Hillary Clinton's influence was to get through uh, her donor network. So check that out on um, Breitbart. It is uh, from our new book, uh, Fallout, Nuclear Bribes, Russian Spies and the Washington Lies that Enriched the Clinton and Biden Dynasties. We hope you enjoy reading that. All right. We're going to go to commercial break. And when we come back, Doug Campbell, the undercover FBI informant, his first time ever on a podcast. You're not going to want to miss this. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, we have a very special guest today, a man you may not have heard of, but whose service to this country is extraordinary. William Douglas Campbell. Most people knew him as a uh, businessman from Florida, but he also was one of the most important operatives working for the CIA and the FBI over 30 years. And he's a central figure in our new book fallout nuclear bribes russian spies and the washington lies that enriched the clinton and biden dynasties and the reason that mr campbell was a central figure is for 7 years he spent uh, his life undercover uh, working for the fbi getting intelligence inside vladimir putin's nuclear empire called rosatom and during that time he uncovered lots of wrongdoing including criminality corruption kickbacks, bribery, all occurring on U.S. soil by Russians under the Obama-Biden-Clinton team. And he helped bring a major prosecution, and he helped alert the U.S. government to many national security concerns. Uh, Doug Campbell, welcome to the show. It's so such an honor to have you on.
1: Well, thank you, Mr. Solomon, and, and thank you for those kind words. I, I'd like to begin by explaining that uh, Prior to the FBI operations, I was conducting CIA operations in Russia, the Ukraine, and the Breakaway Republic of Kazakhstan. And during that time, I developed close, trusted relationships with different parts of the Russian leadership and members of their private sector.
0: Right. While
1: I was undercover working intelligence operations related to organized Russian criminal elements... I was offered a contract with rosatom Tenex, which is the nuclear side of the Russian government, and it provided me with indirect access to President Putin and Medvedev, as well as the Russian nuclear arsenal leadership. Because I was working alternate intelligence operations at that time, and the Russians believed me to be nothing more than an influential American businessman, FBI overseas counterintelligence indicated that the Department of Justice wanted me to accept the Russian proposal. This would allow the Bureau and the Department of Justice and other US intelligence agencies to acquire information valuable to our national security. From the Russian participants while monitoring the movement of the extorted funds that they had proposed through a complex system of money laundering networks that were suspected of managing funds for terror cells as well as corrupt government officials. I accepted the Russian proposal by directive of uh, our government and accordingly signed their contracts. And I've interacted with Rosatom and other Russian elements for several years, in particular with government officials controlling their arsenal and the supply of uh, their nuclear materials uh, from the Russian Federation to the United States. I carried highly sophisticated sound devices, uh, set up meetings that could be filmed and monitored uh, while either wire transferring to organized crime banking elements overseas and are being DOJ photographed and filmed handling large amounts of cash to Russian officials to be laundered back to Moscow. At different times, I received Russian declarations about the importance of the relationship, as well as veiled threats and innuendos of potential harm from their leadership, which was damn serious. They I bet um, it was. inferred they had, they oh. They inferred they had killed uh, Alexander Litvinenko utilizing uh, uh, Polonium-210, which they uh, uh, they distributed, and uh, they had carried to London by Russian agents and placed in his food. So it was some damn serious work, and it kept my attention <laughs> quite every day. Uh over several years, I coordinated and participated um, in meetings, both overseas and here in the United States, that yielded extensive and detailed information valuable to our national security, a part of which was posted in the President's Daily Brief twice that I'm aware of. Um, the agents celebrated, as a matter of fact. In addition to conducting contract business with Russia, I was directed to create and attend social gatherings and parties for specific individuals stationed at the Russian embassy and visiting Russian delegations. Additionally, FBI intelligence requested I provide specific information and define define clearly the layout of Russian offices in the Washington, D.C. area so that the uh, FBI counterintelligence could create what were called war rooms, which were utilized for FBI monitoring stations as FBI monitoring stations in close proximity with Russian operations. Additionally, um, my duties included um, formulating interaction with multiple overseas interests, such as East German officials, uh, when I would travel to Berlin that worked with Putin when he was head of KGB in Berlin, East Germany, and also current SBR and FSB agents which I was interacting with on a regular basis, both here in the United states and uh, and other places so that is kind of a broad stroke of of where I was and what I was doing. Um, My deepest concern at that time was watching the U.S. government make a series of decisions benefiting Rosatom and 10X while those entities were engaged in serious criminal conduct here in the United States of America. I mean, they they were extorting, they were money laundering, and they were violating uh, the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act while the United States government was allowing them to go ahead and sign large United States energy contracts for delivery of Russian uranium into the United States to large utility entities. Uh, And this was all part of a strategy that was formulated years prior uh, by President uh, Putin, Medvedev, and uh, uh, Sergei Kiranenko, who was head of Rosatom at that time, their strategy was to basically create an interdependence of America on U.S. Uh, uh, imported Russian uranium goods. Russia had, had successfully created a dependence of, uh, uh, on gas, By Europe. And when they executed that strategy successfully and created a dependence in Europe so that Russia could essentially turn on the gas or turn off the gas, they decided to try to execute the same strategy here in the United States, which they, in fact, successfully did.
0: Well, one of the the leading parts of our book is that one of the things we need to learn is that Vladimir Putin's Russia uses energy as a geopolitical weapon. And you, in real time, were providing this to the FBI. People are listening and they're saying, oh, my God, this sounds like an episode of The Americans on the television show or a made-for-TV movie or Tom Clancy novel. The truth of the matter is it may sound like all that, but what Doug did was very real. Mr. Campbell did undercover for uh, the FBI was a daily... Kind of uh, compilation of what the Russians were doing to execute this strategy, and I, I always know in, in counterintelligence operations that they tend the FBI agents like to give their operative uh, a code name, and and we we have a whole chapter about you that talks about this. But I loved your code name because I think it gives a little sense of who you are as a person and why you would have the courage to do the work that you did. Can you tell our listeners uh, what was your code name for the FBI? My code
1: name was Pastor. Uh, for uh, a number of reasons. Uh, the, the the most important reason to me in my heart was because I prayed with the agents. I have grown up in an environment where uh, I was attending church regularly and I said right. my prayers every night with a great-grandmother and a great mother and a great family. And um, so the agents felt because I would pray before a lot of the meetings uh, with them that uh, Pastor would be a good name. Also, it was a name that was assigned to me so that the analysts that were handling these troves of information uh, would not know specifically who I was.
0: So you're a man of faith, a devout Christian, and I'm sure that faith comes in handy when you're uh, spying on Russians who have no uh, compunction not to kill someone they don't like Uh, There are some amazing things that happen in the book. And I just want to walk people through because for a lot of people who haven't followed the Russia Rosatom uh, scandal, this will be new to them. But uh, Rosatom is a nuclear arm. It's a state controlled uh, nuclear empire, Vladimir Putin. And then it has a series of subsidiaries. One of them is called Tenix. And that's the arm of Rosatom that tries to sell Russian nuclear materials to commercial clients like American Utilities. Tenem was a new thing they created when the Obama administration started giving them uh, contracts in America and, and making the Russian nuclear company richer and, and more de- uh, ingratiated into the American economy. And they created an American subsidiary called Tenem. And then there was another uh, uh, entity called ArmZ, which went out and bought uranium around the world. And that's the company that um, bought the Uranium One assets that were the focus of Peter Schweitzer's great book, Clinton Cash. That Twenty percent of America's uranium ore under our ground, plus Kazakhstan uranium owned by Uranium One, was sold to the uh, Russians on, with the approval of the Obama administration in 2010, and that's a point of, of great controversy. I want to just ask um, you uh, uh, some questions. Uh, they, the Russians, wanted the American utility contracts, which were in the billions of dollars, so they would have a, a guaranteed market, make America dependent, and they wanted the uranium under our ground because. If they could dump cheaper uranium, then Americans wouldn't have their own uranium industry, right? They'd go out of business because everyone would be dependent on Russian uranium. Is that the gist of what the uh, Russian strategy was, Doug?
1: It, it was the heart of their strategy. Um, Russians't uh, Russians do nothing without a very firm, sound strategy, and that was precisely what it was.
0: right. Well, uh, what's I've been blessed to be able to go through a lot of the FBI files that, that uh, detail your work, and it's really harrowing. I remember some days as Seamus and I were preparing to write the book, or when I did my original stories in the fall of 2017 with Sarah Carter. I mean, some of these documents are extraordinary because in real time, the FBI knows unequivocally that what Vladimir Putin is doing with these nuclear contracts is trying to build a nuclear monopoly that would make uh, America dependent on Russian nuclear energy and therefore he'd have it as a geopolitical weapon over the United States. So our government knows it. And then, even as they know it, you see the Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton administration playing into that. They're going to give them the billions of contracts, they're going to give them the um, uh, uranium underground, they're going to create a place called Skokovo where we're going to transfer some of our most sensitive technology to help the Russians. What were you thinking when you're watching the Obama administration do all these things, when, you know, the administration, the FBI, the top of the government knew that Russia's intentions were bad. They were engaged in criminality. They were bad people that were getting all these benefits. What were you thinking in your mind? It troubled me
1: greatly. I, it was frustrating. I uh, challenged the agents about, uh, the, uh, The uh, way the administration was handling everything, uh, and the agents looked at me, uh, and these are good down-home agents that are hands-on agents uh, with families, and they looked at me and were as frustrated as I was, and their words to me were, ask your politics, Mr. Campbell.
0: So, in other words, what was going on wasn't a national security decision. It was a political decision by the Obama administration. That's how you took it, correct?
1: No question. No question about it. The Russians bragged about the influence. They bragged about the Clinton influence. They bragged about the weakness of this country. They bragged about the weakness of our president and referred to him uh, twice, with racial epithets, which were very troubling to me. I have to yeah. listen to it and endure it, although I was undercover.
0: Yeah, nobody wants to hear the American president mocked him, mean, no matter what party he is, no matter what your politics are. No one likes to hear a foreign adversary uh, do that. Uh, talk about that dinner. I believe it was a dinner at Morton Steakhouse up in Maryland. Um, it's right after the Uranium One deal went through, right after a couple of the early multibillion-dollar Uranium fuel contracts to American utilities got through the Obama administration. You've got a bunch of Russians in from Moscow. You have to drop a suitcase full of cash off, right? It's like $50,000 of cash, correct?
1: Yes, sir. They, uh, instead of making wire transfers through uh, Seychelles, through uh, Latvia, through Cyprus, into banks with corrupt bankers that would then turn it into cash and allow them to carry it to the Kremlin, on this particular occasion, they wanted me to provide fifty thousand in cash directly to them uh, at their offices there in um, uh, uh, in Bethesda, and uh, also on one occasion at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. This cash was to be used and divided amongst the Russian leadership uh, for shopping at sacks or for carrying it back in tranches less than ten thousand dollars to uh for uh, um, uh, russia
0: yeah it's old-fashioned graft right they just want one of their consultants because you're you know you're working for them as a consultant while you're also working for the fbi the fbi knows what you're doing but this is old-fashioned graft. they just want it walk around money when they were all in town to, to have a good time and it's coming out of your wallet with the fbi's knowledge in the book, we tell this harrowing story when you go deliver the uh, briefcase of cash. The FBI helps you set up the briefcase, and then they put a little camera in there so they can film the bad guys, Vadim Mikarin, the head of Tenem 10x uh, the main Russian in America. Um, uh, what was it like knowing you were going to walk into the room, and if they discovered that FBI camera, you could have been in a world of trouble, right? You could have been in danger.
1: Yes, they were they were serious people to deal with. And, um, they had, uh, operatives here in the United States that, um, uh, were not to be taken lightly, let alone the, uh, individuals that I encountered when I was working undercover overseas, uh, in various countries and regions. So yes, I had to be very careful in interacting and in dealing with them and, uh, it troubled me greatly that they were conducting these kind of of operations, breaking U.S. law and at the same time signing United States contracts, energy yeah. contracts for billions of dollars.
0: That's the amazing thing. And when your story first came out, uh, there was a, despite your heroism, despite your public service, despite the fact that the FBI thought your work was so valuable that the, at the end of your tenure, they took the extraordinary mm-hmm. action of giving you a $50,000 bonus check, which, by the way, they almost never do. I mean, that's an incredible expression of the gratitude that the Bureau had for your work. Uh, there were people at the time in 2017, when Sarah Carter and I first uh, broke your story, and then you went on handy who said, you know what, uh, there's no evidence, no evidence that the we, meaning the Obama administration, knew about this stuff when we approved it. We were in the dark. There was no reason that we knew Uh, That um, to block these transactions. We now have found out in our book that that was plain old-fashioned a lie because we found a document that shows in August 2010, two months before Uranium One is approved, several months before a lot of the bigger, larger uranium fuel contracts are signed by the Obama administration for the utilities, that there were uh, a, a, a briefing across the top echelons of the government, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, Energy Department, State Department, all the intel agencies and most likely the president based on what you were told. And they were told, Hey, this company you're dealing with Rosatom and it's 10 X, 10 M arm are engaged in criminality on us soil. So for all those people who attacked you in 2017, the truth is now out there. We have a declassified document. And um, it, it shows that not only were you informing the FBI, but the FBI informed everyone in the government who were making these decisions uh, what you had found, and and that's now fact; it's no longer in doubt. What was it like when you heard Democrats and Clinton supporters and other people attacking you when you knew the truth? You knew that the FBI had told the president, had told the government. Was it frustrating? It was. It was very discouraging.
1: I, I, I uh, it, it, it hurt because of everything that I I was aware of because of the fact that my FBI handlers had commended me multiple times for my work. Uh, They told me on various occasions uh, uh, from the undercover probe uh, that it had been briefed directly to FBI Robert Mueller, FBI Director Robert Mueller. And on two occasions, those agents were particularly excited, claiming to me that my undercover work had been briefed directly to President Obama as part of his daily presidential brief.
0: Wow. So you knew the truth and you, you took your licks anyways, and you stood by it. I think the great part about it is the documents we uncover in the book Fallout that we've gotten from FOIA and other things, they they not only validate uh, your story, they completely confirm every single fact that you told at the time. Now, I want to go through, there's one other attack that I need. Let's deal with that. And then I want to go back and help people understand all the different things that you saw the Russians doing, all the visibility that the Obama administration had, because it wasn't just uh, bribery and corruption. A lot of things we're going to get to. But first, there was another falsehood told about you. And it was told by the Justice Department to Congress. And then it was used by the Democrats as a weapon. And that is, there was nothing in the FBI files of your work that uh, indicated that while you were working at Rosatom, that one, the 10M people had anything to do with Uranium One, and two, that you ever raised any concerns of corruption about the Clintons and Uranium One. We now know that the Clintons were getting millions of dollars of donations uh, committed to their uh, foundation, and Bill Clinton got a $500,000 speech fee, all from people that had an interest or affiliation with the nuclear industry or specifically the Uranium One deal. But the, the claim was in 2017 when you went public with us and then went on Hannity that, well, Doug Campbell didn't see any of that. And we, we're going to call bunk on that because uh, Seamus and I have gone through all the FBI files on this case, and it is irrefutable. So let me walk you through a couple of moments. In, in uh, September, October, there's you and another American by the name of Rod Fisk. Actually, I think he was South African, but in America. Um, you get a request from the head of Tenem Vadim Mikram, the guy that's ultimately indicted for all this corruption And they ask you to help on Uranium One. Can you describe the fact that you as the FBI informant, uh, the operative, you were actually asked to assist the Russians in trying to get the Uranium One deal and the FBI knew that in real time?
1: I was and it was very clear to the agents. I reported it in my briefs to the agents and it was a clear, very clearly understood liability that that was happening in front of all of us and yet the leadership was was doing nothing. We were hearing I, uh, from from the Russians uh, when they were drinking large amounts of alcohol, they were bragging about the Clintons and the Clinton influence. Uh, I reported this to the bureau agents that uh, made a special trip from Little Rock, Arkansas, to visit me and 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 uh, talk to me about uh, about those circumstances. It was very very clear, but. The the Clintons, Eric Holder, Robert Mueller, for me out there on the prairie by myself, my God, that was the home team. I believed in them until I saw Scipius pass uh, the um, uranium one situation. It it, right. it just it, it just knocked my socks off that they could that they could that, 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 that this could even happen, possibly happen with all of the impropriety. The breaking of U.S. law. There was so much that that contradicted uh, uh, the 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 policies that the United States government allowed to uh, be established, and the uh, the large contracts, billions of contracts. it, it just it just discouraged me greatly. And I asked myself, what in the hell is going on? And I challenged the
0: agents. And again, they wrote it off to political influence. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, So you not only had briefings with the FBI, you had emails with the tasking order saying, Doug Campbell, go help Arm Z, the arm that's getting the uranium one, as a member, as a consultant to TANM and RASATAM, go see if you can help them get this through and uh, defeat the opposition. Because... There were some Republicans at the time, long before the Clinton angle came out, that were concerned about this just purely on national security grounds. They couldn't understand why Obama would give away uranium business and uranium more under our soil to the Russians. So you have emails, you have briefings. Now, you also uh, gave the FBI, according to the files we've seen, um, presentations and communications uh, where a major donor, in-kind donor to the uh, Clinton Foundation, a public relations firm in Washington that was helping the Russians at the same time. And they, uh, you you briefed that to your FBI handlers too, that, hey, there's this Washington public relations firm, big donor to the Clinton Foundation. People inside the Russian company are bragging that this is their juice with the Clintons. Uh, you told that to the FBI in real time too, right?
1: I, I explained it clearly to the FBI. The, the fact that the same Head of the Russian energy company Alec, uh, Alexei Grigoriev uh, signed my papers that uh, and my contracts. Also signed the contracts for the uh, public relations firm that was uh, channeling uh, uh, funds uh, 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 to the Clintons, or uh, I just. Uh, I I just couldn't believe it. But the the Russians came to me and they assured me not to worry that they wanted to continue with the extortion, with the money laundering, with the uh, violation of the uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act uh, without being detected because things had gone so smoothly and that hiring this other uh, firm would put them over the top as far as the uh, Clintons were concerned.
0: Right. So. Another false attack in the media on you, the news media, Michael Isikoff, I think, was one of the writers, uh, the Justice Department, uh, Rod Rosenstein, who, by the way, was a U.S. attorney that worked your case before he became deputy attorney general, and the Democrats in the House, all of them attacked you. And that information we show in the book, because we have the FBI files, we have your briefing memos, we have the documents you gave the agents. Uh, all of those allegations against you are demonstrably false. When you look back now... And you realize you had members of congress that could have gotten the same evidence we got but didn't you had rod rosenstein who could have quickly looked in the file and confirmed well doug did tell us these things um how frustrating it is to see your own government the government you served as an undercover agent undercover operative i'm sorry um how frustrating is it to know that even people who had access to the information chose to give a false story back in 2017.
1: My paperwork was signed by Rod Rosenstein and Andrew Weissman.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it, it, all of this was happening while uh, uh, they had overseen. They were fully aware of the extortion of the, of the contracts, which I even question now the validity of because the contracts are being signed. These large billion-dollar U.S. energy contracts right. uh, with delivery from Russia were being signed at the same time that it's, that they these same people that were signing these contracts were breaking United States law. How right. could that happen? How could it happen? And, and it troubled me greatly. And I, I really believe in my heart that each man, each one of these men, from the president all the way down to, uh, to Robert Mueller, to Eric Holder, To Weissman, to Rosenstein, these men turned their back on our country because they believed that they genuinely believed that Secretary Clinton would be elected.
0: Wow. That's a very powerful statement. So, uh, you're undercover. There's not any doubt by the end, by the in the file and in your testimony and everything, everyone we've talked to, by 2010, they knew that the Russians were involved in substantial criminal activity and they wait four years until after the Russian reboot has failed to bring anyone to justice. They don't start prosecuting people until 2014, but you remain undercover. They've already got the the bribery kickback extortion case nailed by this fall of 2010. Cause you've got the recordings, the pictures of the suitcase. So you start to do other things. And one of the really harrowing things that we learned from the files in your inform, you know, your undercover file is that um, you saw evidence and provided evidence to the FBI, that the Russians were helping the Iran and Tehran with their illicit nuclear program at the same time that Barack Obama was marching toward making a deal with Iran. So uh, Obama wants to uh, lift the sanctions and uh, restore some normalcy to the ties of Iran uh, if they will stop, agree to stop making a nuclear weapon. And while that's going on, you're you're providing the FBI evidence that there's complicity of the Russians helping the nuclear uh, capabilities of Iran, particularly a um, uh, one facility in Bashar where you had very specific intelligence. I think you actually got the identity of the company that was moving the ent- items, the, the uranium, to, uh, to the Iranians. What was that like and how interested was the FBI? The FBI seemed to be very concerned that Russia and Iran, at least in these files, had uh, an illicit relationship going on beneath the sanctions. Did the FBI seem to engage on that and be concerned about it?
1: They were highly, highly concerned about it. And um, it, uh, it, the information that I provided, uh, the documentation that I provided from the International Atomic Energy Agency, uh, which the Russians always had way ahead of the United States, the Russians were plugged into IAEA incredibly well. IAEA would tip them off as far as improprieties things like that and there were conf- right. they would confer with with Moscow and limit the uh, amount of exposure as far as the lack of cooperation that Iran was giving uh, as far as the development of their nuclear facilities uh, uh, it 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 contradicted everything that was going on and uh as my undercover work continued, uh, the FBI became increasingly more interested in Russia's nuclear assistance to Iran. Um, they had The Russians specifically had told me years prior never to mention how close Russia is to Iran, how much they supply Iran, how much technology they provide to Iran how many services they provide to Iran. The Russians were very, very strict with me about making any statements about the connection between Moscow and Tehran. Well, of course, I was reporting it all at the at the same time, unbeknownst to Moscow, but they were very concerned, the Russians were, about this being exposed because they felt it would limit their ability to infiltrate the United States energy market. And that inability uh, uh, would be prompted by their uh, exposure uh, regarding their, uh, their close uh, relationship with Tehran.
0: Wow. Um, when, they, when they ultimately bring criminal cases against Vadim Mikram, the top Russian in America who was involved in the kickbacks, extortion, bribery, money laundering, um, uh it's divulged, but you knew in two thousand eight and nine already that one of the American trucking companies responsible for shipping uranium. so this is a very sensitive job, right? If any uranium escapes the American trucking supply line, we could have an international crisis that the Russians had compromised that company by uh, getting into a kickback bribery scheme with them. So that uh, the these are some of the many things that the FBI came to understand. Were wrong with the Russians. They were doing lots of things. This was a very corrupt behavior that was going on in U.S. soil at the same time that the Obama administration is rewarding all of these folks. At some point in 2012, uh, the FBI comes to you and they want to lure Vladimir Putin to America. And just talk a little bit, if you got a minute here. Uh, we got about five minutes left in the show. Um, how, what the what the idea was, the Kentucky Colonel idea for um, for Vladimir Putin.
1: Well, yes. I, I, uh, 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 Mr. Solomon, if you don't mind, before we leave the Iranian situation. Sure. The the situation was so tense that um, the uh, FBI counterintelligence agents came to me and uh, asked me uh, to submit a series of questions to right. the Russian leadership uh i formulated those questions they're a matter of record and uh i resisted at first because the questions were the kind of questions that
0: um too obvious
1: right uh, but it made it very obvious uh that i was uh that i was a red flag and right. uh it also <laughs> it also pretty much signed my death warrant uh, they Uh, the Russians immediately backed away, terminated. I started getting threats, and uh, it was a foolish move on the United States uh, government's part. But the point I want to make is they knew about all of the Russian impropriety with Iran. They knew about all of the Iranian impropriety, and they knew about the deception coming out of Iran regarding its development uh, of nuclear materials. Yet, the administration went on and and shipped <laughs> plane loads of cash to these people who are enemies of our state, who uh, who who lie, who who uh, I, I've witnessed and reported a lot of deception from Iran and Obama. The Obama administration ignored it.
0: Yeah, that's really the underlying. Uh, jaw-dropping uh, conclusion that we came to in our in our book as well, um, and also one other thing: we had a potential broken aerial, aero scenario, right? With if if that nuclear company in uh, the United States that was compromised by the Russians, if any of that uranium escaped, we would have had a real national security disaster, right? That was that was the concern about the trucking company, correctly. That once corrupted, anything could happen with the uranium. Good work these men
1: were shipping high grade they were shipping material radioactive materials a single teacup of they were breaking us law they were yeah. shipping radioactive materials a single teacup of which could shut down wall street or washington wow and it it, it I, I, all of this was reported all of this yeah. is a matter of record with the united states government
0: there's no doubt about it folks if you don't believe this you can go to the back 100 pages of the book Fallout, and every sentence of every chapter about uh, Doug Campbell and his work has a a document that you can actually go see and look at. uh, Everything Doug Campbell is saying is documented inside the FBI files that we got access to. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. And so the Clinton era is gone. The Obama era is gone. But there's one left over from that era that's now running for president, Joe Biden. And we write in the book, thanks to your good work we learned about this, Uh, that he had an energy advisor when the Russia reboot failed, one of the biggest foreign policy failures of the last 50 years. And it failed because after Putin got everything he wanted out of the Obama administration, he invaded Crimea, the region in Ukraine. And that kind of put us in a new Cold War posture. So Putin pulls the rug out from under Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Hillary Clinton. And now there's a new guy that shows up on the scene. Joe Biden's in Ukraine, trying to prop up Ukraine. He's trying to get a natural gas system built for Ukraine so they're not reliant on Russians. His son cashes in on that system by getting a job Hunter Biden does at, at Burisma. But there's an energy advisor uh, to Joe Biden by the name of Amos Hochstein He starts giving speeches and you know testimony before Congress appearances on television saying, we can't let Vladimir Putin have an energy monopoly because he uses energy as a geopolitical weapon. That's what, the, And that's a very sage message. That's what you were telling the FBI in 08-09. He's out there in 14, 15, 16, making this very compelling case, and I think most Democrats and Republicans would agree with him, except for one thing. All of us hearing that at the time didn't know one thing about Amos Hochstein. He had been working for the Russians, for Rosatom, for Tenem Tenx, helping them get that hopeful monopoly on uranium as a consultant in America back in 06, 07, 08, and 09. Talk about what you learned about Amos Hochstein, who may very well be at the side of, uh, of Biden if he's elected president. What did you find out?
1: Well, Hochstein and I began work in 2006, 2007. I worked with him for several years. And a clear-cut characteristic of Mr. Hochstein was knowing how to feed the Russians. We were trying to achieve Russian entry into the United States market. Hochstein, in his own words, knew and and strongly emphasized his ability to feed the Russians. uh, Feed in quotation marks. I was, uh, I was, quite taken back by that and later the fact that he became a deputy to and was paid by Hillary Clinton in the state department. It, uh, it troubled me, troubled me greatly to see him, uh, um, after I parted ways with, uh, with, uh, Mr. Hochstein and moved on to, uh, further undercover work with, uh, Russian directly. Hochstein then moved into a place where he, uh, he was able to promote and help uh, the uh, completion of Uranium One and the Scipius decisions, I have no doubt.
0: Well, what's really interesting, uh, we, uh, as a result of the research we did on this book, we actually have the very contract that Amos Hotstein signed when he worked with Cassidy Associates. That's a Washington firm. We have the presentation he developed for the Russians saying, here's how you can get a leg up in the American market. And all of that is now sitting out in plain view for people to research if they'd like, and they can go to Just the News, they can go to Fallout and look at these documents. But um, so many of these characters at the time they were saying these things in 15 and 16, we didn't know what had gone on previously. All the efforts the Russians had made to enlist Obama, Biden, Clinton people, in some cases pay them, in some cases reward them with gifts uh, while this Russian reboot was going on. So it wasn't only a foreign policy failure, It was a cash boon for many of the people around Clinton, Obama, and Biden who were involved in the policy. So, Doug, I could talk to you all day. Your story is unbelievable. It's you are a major character in our new book that Seamus and I wrote called Fallout. Um, On behalf of the American people, on behalf of John Solomon Reports, and the audience I have here, thank you for your public service, and I hope we can bring you back soon to the show and uh, talk more about this. We could literally talk for hours about all the amazing things that you did to um, uh, help our country uh, uncover this terrible injustice. So uh, thanks again, and we'll be back with you soon.
1: Well, thank you. I love this country, and I, uh, I'm i thankful for the time that I was, I was growing up, and uh, I, I appreciate your taking time for me.
0: All right. Well, we're we're grateful for the time you gave us today as well, Doug. All right, folks, we are going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up things. If your head is still spinning from all the amazing things that Mr. Campbell just told you, uh, don't worry. We're going to make sense of it. It was, uh, this is real stuff. This, it sounds like a spy novel, but this was real stuff that happened. And we're thankful that there are men and women like Doug Campbell in the world that are willing to risk their lives and serve their country to expose the sort of things that he exposed in his work undercover for the FBI. So we're lucky, lucky as a nation to have people like Doug Campbell. All right, off to the commercial break. We'll come back and wrap things up in a second.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
0: Oh, my gosh. Where did the time go? Man, this podcast flew by and that's what happens when you're talking to an interesting guy like Doug Campbell, somebody who risked his life to make America more secure, to expose what Russian nuclear corrupt Russian nuclear interests were doing and the Americans they were intersecting with and the national security issues those raised. Doug Campbell, as we write in the book, is an American hero. uh, And he is emblematic of a, a large number of people whose names you never hear in the world. They're never in the media. They don't seek glory, and yet they've uh, helped make America safer by doing undercover operative work for the FBI, the CIA, the DIA. We owe an enormous debt of gratitude to such people like Doug Campbell. In our book, in the opening page, in the book Fallout, we write in the dedication, this book is dedicated to the real whistleblowers, the men and women who risk their careers, their reputations, and their liberties and their lives, to speak the truth. Doug Campbell, I think after you've heard him today, he certainly fits that description. All right, we're going to be back Thursday with another great show. We've got lots of great guests coming on. I've heard a rumor that we might have a former congressman or two, so stay tuned for that could have some uh, big news coming out of that. In the meantime, go to justthenews.com anytime you want to get a fix on the latest breaking news and all of our exclusive material. We'll have some new stories coming out on Anthony Fauci, on COVID-19. You're going to want to stay uh, on top of what's breaking on Just the News. And also, uh, as I'm often asked uh, uh, how can we make Just the News more successful? How can we well, certainly spread the word, spread the URL, let them know about my podcast, just uh, John Solomon Reports. You can also support all the great advertisers you've heard on this show today. We're so blessed to have advertisers and sponsors that put their money where their mouth is, jump into the uh, fray here and support this show. And you can also go to JTNshop.com. That's just the new store, JTNshop.com. We have all sorts of wonderful gifts, earbuds, a, a cell phone sterilizer, and really delicious crab legs and uh Lobster tails. I know I ate them. I got to admit, all right, shouldn't, but I did. I loved it. Uh, JTNshop.com, all sorts of great uh, uh, items that you can buy. And part of the proceeds when you make a purchase goes to support the future journalism of Just the News, John Solomon Reports, Cheryl Atkinson, the podcast, um, The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody, a really great podcast. I hope you listen to that. So that's a way you can support us and also have fun doing it. Get some nice gifts, get some nice food, and feel like you're doing something to make America better. All right, we'll be back Thursday. Until then, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the Nudes. Be safe, be healthy. God bless you. We'll be talking to you soon.